Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Well, it's good to have you here with us this morning. Here it is, Christmas. Another year has come and gone. It's a time where we really get to spend a lot of it with family. Um, We are going to be going through Matthew chapter 2. So if you'd like, you can turn there. And this morning I'm going to be talking about irony, prenatal care, and illusions, okay? But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 13. It says, Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remember and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old and under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. That was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archaeus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to a district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, 
so that what was spoken by the prophet might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. It's so ironic that the birth of the Messiah would take place in this way. And and irony is one of those things that is just interesting to me. There's so many ironic facts it's ironic that the only person in ZZ Top who doesn't have a beard is named John Beard. I think that's interesting. It's ironic that whoever invented the fire hydrant is unknown because the building that contained the patent information for the fire hydrant burned down. I think that is ironic. It's ironic that I, and probably most of you, knew Christmas before we knew the Christ or believed in the Christ of Christmas. I can remember as a child looking forward to Christmas. Of course, there was the gifts, but there was the lights. And it probably wasn't until Charlie Brown Christmas that I actually got introduced to the story of Jesus when Linus goes up on the stage and starts giving the account of what Christmas is all about. I think it's ironic that the one who is anointed to bring good news to the poor is now celebrated by spending $465 billion a year in America alone on Christmas and Christmas items. I think that's ironic. I think it's tragic. I think it's ironic that the story that the one who has come to bring peace on earth and goodwill towards men is probably the time that causes the most emotional anxiety in our lives. Anyone say amen to that? And we try to fight this, right? I was talking to my daughter the other night, and she was saying, you know, I think I like Thanksgiving more than Christmas because I still get to eat good food and still get to see family, but there isn't the having to wrap the things and having to do all those things. And I say, I don't have to wrap anything. That's another story my wife will tell you about. (laughs) But it has become something that is so filled with tension and so emotionally difficult. I, I know that there are a lot of us here who have a hard time during Christmas because we've lost people that we loved and we don't get to celebrate it with them. And so even though it's a a season where we look forward to it, there is a hollowness because they are gone and we feel like part of us is gone as well. And, And this story has so many ironic things, but one of the things that stands out to me is verse 13 where he says that Joseph had departed because the angel appeared to him and said, rise, take the child, his mother, and flee to Egypt. That's escape. You need to run for your life. I think that's ironic that God would come into the scene and then say, you got to go. And then he's told later on that not only is he supposed to, to flee this scene, but that it was prophesied out of Egypt. I called my son and I'm thinking, wait a second, it was fulfilling a prophecy you see when they were running for their lives they were actually running into their future at the same time they just weren't aware of it 
And I think sometimes when we think, well, where is this peace on earth that we were promised? I think if anyone could ask that, it would be Joseph and Mary. I mean, think of her bringing Christ here. I mean, all kinds of strange things happened in that scenario. And at the end of her pregnancy, she has to take a road trip on a donkey to Bethlehem. That had to be fun. And then there's no room in the inn, right? So that she has to give birth in a stable. And people might say, oh, the stable is cleaner than the inn. I don't believe it, okay? Otherwise, people would be sleeping in the stable. You know that it was a place, and I've been to a few stables. They're not the cleanest and the most pleasant smelling places in the world. And so here she is, here they are going because they are fulfilling what God has for them. And this peace on earth must seem like a strange thing. But I think one of the things that we do is we mistake peace and we think peace is an absence of conflict. That if there's no conflict, then there's peace. But really, that's not what peace is. Peace is an awareness of God's presence and working in spite of conflict. That it's not the absence of something that brings the peace. It's the presence of someone that brings the peace. They tell us, doctors, that how a mother goes through her pregnancy has a direct effect on the child's behavior. This prenatal care, that if the mother is stressed, of course, we know if a mother is using drugs or drinking a lot, it will affect the development of the child. But even stress develops toxins that get passed from the mother to the child. Just trying to give you pregnant women something else to worry about, right? I was like, thank you. I needed something else I needed to worry about now. I'm feeling stressed about if I feel stressed and how it's going to affect my baby. But they've proven that those kinds of things can actually have a a developmental effect on the child as they are in the womb and even after they are born will still have an effect. And I think, what did Jesus experience going through his life even in the womb? Having to go to Bethlehem on a donkey, having to flee then as a baby for their lives because Herod is out to kill him. And imagine as a mom how that would affect you. And so it's ironic and it's crazy to look at these things and see them in this way. And this is fulfilling what God was wanting to do. And it makes me start thinking that the will of God is not an easy or straight path. I think a lot of times I've had the idea that the will of God is this tightrope that you get to walk on and and don't fall off or, ah, I'm out of the will of God. But the will of God says, oh yeah, you're going to be born in Bethlehem. Oh yeah, you need to go to Egypt. And then, oh yeah, it's time to come out of Egypt. And then, oh yeah, wait a second, there's another guy who's here. You need to go back. And you see, there are always going to be Herods and there are always going to be sons of Herod who are worse than their dad. And so there is another fulfillment of Jeremiah then 
about the weeping because of the killing of the children. And we start to see that the will of God goes to Bethlehem, goes to Egypt, comes out of Egypt, goes to Galilee, goes to Nazareth. And the will of God is anything but straight and it's anything but easy. And the will of God sometimes is the most difficult thing that we can be involved in. And what we would like is a fast, easy road that goes nowhere. And what God is wanting to do is take us on a long, maybe difficult road that actually takes us somewhere. And we're content many times to live out a life that doesn't go anywhere. And so here is Jesus. And, and this isn't the Christmas story that we usually tell. We, we, we like the, the baby born in the manger. We like the, the magi, the wise men. We like the shepherds. But this idea of running for your life, this idea of all these children dying, this idea of having to flee from here to here and difficulty isn't one that we like to hear because it's not one that we would want for ourselves but it's probably one that we've experienced for ourselves. It's probably one that we can relate to. I don't know about all of you, but I know about some of you. And I know that some of your lives look a lot like my life. And there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of hardships. There's a lot of crying babies. There's a lot of things that happens in our lives that we have to go through. Because that is what life really is like. And to see and to know that this was the journey that Jesus was on from the beginning. And that the will of God looked like this. It actually brings comfort to me. It actually helps me to maybe rethink what I believe would be the will of God for my life as I see it unfolding in his life. And it's one of those things where we have to recognize that what's happening is there is something taking place within this story that is important. That Jesus is being moved to a place where he could actually be of purpose to us. The story continues in verse 19. When Herod died, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child, his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For the one who sought the child's life is dead. It's like, okay, good news. We get to go back. And then he arose, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard This other guy, the son, Archelaus, was reigning over Judea in place of his father. He was afraid to go there, being warned again. It's like God says, oh, go. Oh, wait, stop. Oh, okay, go here. And the will of God is being now interrupted or or detoured or sidetracked or maybe there's an addendum taking place that has to deal with what's happening. And that's what we start to see here, that again, there's Herod's son. And it's not proof 
that God doesn't exist. You know, a lot of times people think, how can God be real when there's such evil in the world, when there's so many problems, when there are so many people hurting? How can there be a God who is good? But if you were to take away your belief in God, would it change the world? You would still have evil. You would still have bad people. You would still have the things that are taking place today. You would still have Aleppo. 12 million people fleeing for their lives. See, whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, Aleppo is happening, and it's happening because of what people are doing. It it is the Herods and the sons of Herods that are causing these things. And I think God grieves for Aleppo and maybe wonders, how can this take place? And maybe that's the question he's asking us. And so this isn't proof that God doesn't exist. It's proof that God needed to come. It's proof that we needed help. It's proof that we still need this help. You see, when you're going to live for God, it's going to have an effect on your life. I think probably one of the biggest ironies that take place in Scripture is that at the very beginning of this narrative in the book of Genesis, we see that man is trying to be like God. And the culmination of this narrative, we see that God has become man. And I think that really is the key to this story. Which life are are you trying to live? Are you trying to be the God of your life? Are, Are you trying to get the things that you want? Is it all about how you are and what you do? Or are you going to relinquish that control and allow God who became man to be the one who governs how you live as a human being? And I think this is the narrative that we are in. This is where we are playing. Because when we live for God, we realize that there never will be a straight line forward, that there is going to be an atmosphere of struggle because there are going to be Herods and there are going to be the sons of Herod. And it's going to affect you and it's going to affect me and it's going to affect how we move forward. If there's no resistance, you're probably going the wrong way. And if you always choose what's easiest, you will never become who God intended you to be. More than that, you will never become who you need to be for others. See, as a parent, I've got to tell you, If you do not learn to deal with the aggravation of your children, you will never be the parent your child needs. If you never learned to get past your own selfishness, you will never be that parent who is selflessly giving to their child. There is something that takes place in that process that not only benefits you as a human being and your character, but is invaluable. You cannot put a price on it of what it means to that child. 
And this road is really similar to the road we're on and how we are going to live if we are going to live in recognition to the God who became man or if we are going to say, I'd like to be like God, charge of my own destiny, decide what's good, what's evil. I'll make the decisions. And we find that's the world that we're living in. And it's the world that we have to live in. It was about two years ago that there was a lot happening, at least in my life. It hasn't really changed. It hasn't really gotten better. But at that time, we had lost someone really close to us and our family to cancer. At that time, we were struggling with some of our children and the areas they were in our life. At that time, there were some close friends of mine who had had some terrible things happen to them. And it knocks the wind out of you. It knocks you down. And it it forces you to think about this life and where God is in this journey. And I wrote this down a couple of years ago said to my friends and family who have lost loved ones to cancer, to those who have had friends, parents, or children torn from their lives by suicide, to all of you who've had to watch helplessly while your brothers and sisters wasted away from addiction, for those who've had your lives and hearts broken by an unfaithful lover, Merry Christmas from a God who cares enough to step into your pain. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, I'm glad that Jesus went through what he did so he could become who he needed to be for you and for me. Because I know that when I feel lonely, that Jesus was there. I know that when I feel like the circumstances I've been brought into are out of my control, I did not vote for this path. I know that Jesus has been there. I know when I feel betrayed and I feel injured by other people, I know that Jesus has been there. I know that when I feel that God has abandoned or even forsaken me, that Jesus has been there. You see, it means everything to me that God has been where I am. I don't think I could worship a God who does not weep for the things that I have seen. I don't think I could worship a God whose heart does not break for the things that break my heart. But that's what this story is. That you in your pain, you in your struggle, you in this journey that is all over the place, that is up and down and sometimes just insane. that if you will make the decision 
like Mary did, like Joseph did, to invite God to be a part of your life. You will find that even though it feels like you're on a little lifeboat in the middle of the ocean, that God is the ocean that you are on. And he is the one who is steering the tides to get you to where you need to be. You see, but it first had to begin with a yes to the plan of God for their lives. Mary had to say, yes, I will be the one that you use. Joseph had to say, yes, I will take her as my wife. They had to say, yes, we will go to Egypt. Yes, we will go to Galilee. Yes, we will go to Nazareth. And you and I have to be the ones who say, yes, I will live my life for you. And I know it may go right and left and up and down, and it may break my heart. But if you're there, I can find peace. That the peace of God shows up with the presence of God. That it's not a matter of our circumstances. It's a matter of where we are in our relationship to God. This is what we are invited to this Christmas season. is to be on this journey with this God who shows up in these places at these times to accomplish something in the hearts and through the hearts of people who will say yes. Let's pray. Father, in the midst of this season, in the emotion of this season, in the loss that has been experienced by those who are here, the loss who is that has been experienced and is being experienced by those around the world. Lord, there is an invitation for us to believe, to believe in a God who cares, believe in a God who sees and who has loved us enough to step into our pain that you are indeed Emmanuel, you are God with us. And what we celebrate this day is that we are not forgotten, that we are not forsaken, that in fact it is through us that you are going to bring about healing to those around us. And I pray for anyone who is here this morning who has yet to say yes to you, who has believed from a distance, who has seen the Christmas story and, and yet has celebrated Christmas but has not known the Christ. Lord, I pray that the irony of that would change and that we would recognize that God became man to show men how they should live. May we give up our right to rule and allow you to guide us. May we hear your voice and may we say yes to what you would have for us. And I do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage all of you here, especially those maybe who don't go to church and this is your first time and this is a, a story that has resonated with you. 
I want you to say yes to what God has for you. I want you to ask him, what do you have for me? Let God start a conversation with you. I trust that he will lead you where you need to go. And I pray that you would find that however difficult it is, that it is exactly where you need to be. Let's stand together. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. I'm going to have the guys lead us in one last song here. May you recognize the presence of God in your life. May you not live in delusion to the circumstances. May you see clearly that God is with us right here, right where you're at. May the joy of Christ fill your life today. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. Thank you for being here. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.